Good morning. I'm Larry Craig. I serve as one of the elders of the New York City Church of Christ. We want to say, first of all, to those of you who have been ill with the virus, that we certainly hope you're improving. And uh, we are sorry for what you've had to suffer. We definitely want to extend our sympathy to many of you who have lost relatives to this virus at this time. And some of you have lost relatives to uh, other reasons. It's so challenging not to be able to have the funerals and the closure that we usually have. And we definitely extend our sympathy to you. It certainly has been a very challenging time. We miss seeing each other. It's been several weeks now since we've been able to assemble together live. One of the great joys of worshiping God is the collective worship that we get to have. And uh, right now we're having to do that a different way. I want you to think for a minute, though, about your normal service. I know most of us generally sit in pretty much the same place every Sunday. It's interesting because when we move to a new location, after about two weeks, maybe three, we all have our new seats again. So as we are gathered together from the west side of the New York City Church of Christ, think for a minute about where you normally sit before all this happened. The New Jersey region, the Garden State Church, meets at Clifton High School. I can visualize it. As I face the audience over on the right-hand side, all the campus ministry students, although today they're having a virtual retreat, behind them I see so many faces. I really want to start naming some faces, but I'm going to leave some people out, so I won't do that. But I see all of you I look around and see each other there. The middle section, pretty much everybody's in your normal spot. In my mind, you know, I'm glad we have the technology we have, but uh, still, imagination is wonderful. Then we go over on my left side. There's the teen ministry. Hey, teens. Behind that is the Latin ministry. Then the young teens who are getting ready to leave for communion. That's at the end today. Stay where you are. More people. Uh, you see everybody. Uh, those of you in Westchester, Manhattanville College, do you have it in your mind where you are, where everybody else is? Hudson Valley, that uh, center at Stony Point, there you are all together. Staten Island, the high school, Point Richmond High School, there you are. Think about it for a minute. See everybody around you. Give them a hug in your mind. You can high five. You can even sneeze or cough on them right now and it will all be okay. We miss you. We miss seeing each other. For Mary Lou and me, because of uh, our age and uh, underlying medical conditions, here we are. We've been married 51 years in August, and I'm glad we still really enjoy being together because uh, we're the only people we are around now for several weeks. I miss seeing our children, our grandchildren. I have to give a shout out. One of our grandsons, Micah Gersoy, has a birthday today, April 19th. He's 13. You're a teenager now, Micah. Happy birthday. Sorry we can't celebrate. Let's look at this passage together and uh, Mark chapter 1 and verse 16 beginning and we'll read uh, down to verse 18. 
As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, said Jesus, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Here's what we're going to talk about today. Who's in control? Why surrender control? And we're going to talk about two reasons, peace and forgiveness. Who's in control? Why surrender control? And peace and forgiveness. This is a very familiar passage to us. Jesus was talking to these early followers about giving them a change in perspective, a change in focus. We talk about this passage in terms of what it means to follow Jesus and how our mission becomes different. What's important to us becomes different. He said to these fishermen, I'm going to make you fishers of men. If they'd been construction workers, he would have said, I'm going to teach you how to build people's lives. Jesus does change how we view people, what matters to us. But there's a deeper point here where Jesus begins by saying, come Follow me. New Testament Jewish people knew exactly what it meant to choose to be a disciple of a rabbi. They were to learn how to think like that rabbi, act like that rabbi, sometimes eat what he ate, eat the way he ate what he ate, to surrender control completely to that rabbi, not just his teachings, but his life. Jesus is saying to us, let me control you. That's Jesus' goal for our lives. We think of other passages uh, where he says in Luke 9, if you're going to follow me, you, you need to deny yourself. Take up your cross daily. He's saying, let me control you. Luke 14 we can't be his follower unless we give up everything we have. His interaction with the rich young ruler. Are you willing to give it all up to follow me? God made us to be free with the ability to choose. But he wants us to choose letting him control us. And that's a fundamental issue that began Way back in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve decided to take control of their lives instead of letting God control. Who's in control? That's the fundamental issue in my life and yours. Who's in control of my life? Sometimes it's not too hard. When I completely agree with what Jesus is asking, when it fits my perspective, my agenda, when I see how it's all going to work out, I can let him be in control. Sometimes it's more difficult, isn't it? The battle between the flesh and the spirit. When I may want to worry, I may want to give in to fear, I may want to be impatient, I may want to do things my way instead of Jesus' way. Come follow me. Who's in control? But the second question is, why surrender control? If Jesus is saying, come follow me, let me control you, why surrender that control? 
There are many significant answers. In the current crisis we're in, we have to acknowledge that we really aren't in control anyway. God created us. He knows how we function best. He knows how we are most fulfilled. The Bible, God's book, has proven to be timeless, universal. It works in every culture, in every society. There are many reasons to surrender control to Jesus. But I want to think particularly for a moment about two. One is peace. In John 16, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. I don't have to remind you that our world is in trouble right now. The last I heard, this virus has affected 184 countries in the world. By far, most of the countries that exist. We face the health challenges, the economic challenges, the uncertainty about the future. I'm not generally a worrier, but I've had some thoughts that have passed through my brain as we've faced all this. When will life return to normal? What will normal look like? Will there be a new normal? What's going to happen to our country economically, health-wise? Jesus says, in the world you're going to have trouble. But I have overcome the world and I bring you peace. Peace of mind, confidence about the future, faith, perspective, belief in the power and might of God. There are so many passages about the peace that comes from God, from surrendering control to Jesus. I'd encourage you if you haven't in a while, and maybe you have through all of this, to focus on some of those passages that are the promises of God. The promises to take care of us, to give us what we need. The, promise, the promises of an eternal future with Him. The peace that only God can bring. But the real peace that Jesus brings us is forgiveness. Peace with God. Jesus came to rescue us from a peril far more consequential than health challenges, financial difficulties, the uncertainty we face. He came to bring us forgiveness. When the angel came to Joseph with the astounding news that Mary was going to have a child, the angel said, he will save his people from their sins. This is a consistent Bible teaching. That Jesus came to be the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. That's what his cousin said when he saw him. Behold the Lamb of God. 
Jesus came to bring us a peace that is the most significant peace we could have. We're going to take communion in a few moments. But as we think about who is in control, why surrender control, the peace and the forgiveness that come from Jesus being in control. I want to share with you something. I uh, grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. Not too far away over the border in, the, in Kentucky is Mammoth Cave National Park. Mammoth Cave is probably the largest known cave system in the world. There are more than 400 miles of surveyed passageways under the ground. The cave was used by Native Americans thousands of years ago. European settlers uh, found it in the 1700s. It was used for a lot of different things as it was it finally explored more and became a national park. I went there several times as a child growing up. We took our children there uh, once as uh, they were growing up. It's an amazing place. A guide takes a group of people. You go deep into the cave. And at some point, uh, there's a warning about this. But they turn off the lights. It is literally a darkness you can feel. It is a darkness beyond any kind of darkness I'd ever experienced. What if the lights didn't come back on? Well, they have emergency light system in case the power goes out. What if that didn't work? And there we are in the dark. But we have a guide. And that guide says to us, don't worry. Yes, we've got some trouble here. He says, but I have a flashlight. Or a torch, if you've been watching Netflix British crime stories. He says, I have a flashlight. But not only that, I've been bringing groups into this cave three times a day for more than 20 years. I know the way out. Would you follow him? Absolutely. Would I say, uh, let me just trust my gut feelings here. Or, am I sure he can take us out? No, we'd follow. Jesus, who created the world with God, says to us, come follow me. Come let me be in control of your life. So we ask today, Who's in control? 
But the second question, why let him control? Many reasons. Many important, significant reasons. The peace he offers, the peace in times of trouble like this. But even more fundamental, the forgiveness that he offers. He offers us what no one else can give us. And as he, on the night he was betrayed, gave what we've come to call the Lord's Supper. And he took the cup and he said, this is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And he took the bread. Showing us that he was going to give his body for us. And as we take communion, we remember his body, his blood. We recommit ourselves to letting him be in control of our lives. We express our gratitude to him and for him. So as we take the bread and the cup this morning, who's in control of my life? Am I surrendering it? Why shouldn't I? He's done so much for me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time to remember what Jesus did, what you did. Thank you that in spite of the trouble in the world, we can have peace with you, not just because of your promises, but even more because of Jesus' sacrifice for us. Thank you that we can take this bread and this cup and remember what Jesus did for us. Thank you that we know how much you love us. And the cross shows us that in such a powerful way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.